The following pre-recorded program is brought to you by Wrestling with the Inner Man. Welcome to Wrestling with the Inner Man, because the first fight we face each and every day is a fight with our flesh. Do we listen to our selfish, sinful nature or to divine nature guided by the Holy Spirit? Your host, David Savage, is a product of the West Texas Desert and Energy Industry, who recently received the biggest promotion of his life, reporting directly to the top boss, God. Most people refer to this as retirement today. Co-host pastor and evangelist Aaron David Thomas is a bivocational pastor and a marketing manager hewn from the tough streets of Philadelphia. We hope you're ready to rumble because wrestling with the inner man begins now. Ding, ding, ding. Hey, Rick, I need a sound bell like that. You know, a ring, ring sound bell for our <laughs> right. so I don't ding, have to ding, say it. Every Let's get it. <laughs> hey, good afternoon, uh, WWM listeners. We hope that you all have been acting as spiritual leaders in your homes with more intention after last week's episode. In case you haven't noticed, people are moving away from cable television and the main networks and toward streaming services for their entertainment choices. One thing about Netflix, HBO, and all the other content out there is less regulation and standards. What does that mean for us, especially as spiritual leaders? That means we have to do more. So, well, more choice on the plus side, but it also means much more programming with foul language or mature content not suitable for children. Remember, you are the spiritual leader of your home, and that means you have a job to do as a protector of and model for your children. And if you're like me, and I really am, <laughs> constantly <laughs> struggling with foul language, especially because it has become so common everywhere we go and in almost all the programming available for entertainment today. Aaron, ERS, our sponsor, Restores Electronics. Do you think they can help us restore decency as well? well? Absolutely. ERS is always doing their part to restore biblical decency by being a huge sponsor of Wrestling with the Internet <laughs> yes. and allowing us to talk uh, about these uh, perspectives from a biblical view. And I just, too, want to say good evening, uh, listeners. Welcome back. Welcome back. We appreciate you tuning in here on AM 1070, The Answer. Uh, these Sunday evenings, it makes it uh, worth it for us to come. We know that you're getting something out of it, and we're just having a good time. Well, oh, I'm- wait a minute, Dave. Wait a minute. I also want to uh, chime in on that cable discussion oh. that you, uh, <laughs> I if you were going to make a plug streaming services are becoming more readily available and allowing access. I get all that, but I do want to put this pitch in without saying anything uh, directly. But cable services allow you access to all all that streaming as well. However, they give you greater controls on your streaming platforms as far as monitoring, regulating what is being watched and how long. You know what that spiritual leadership thing that we yeah. talked about? So don't uh, count your cable services out. So cable can help <laughs> me be a better spiritual leader yes, by having can. Yes, providing those walls. Okay, well, all right. ERS, cable services. Remember, I'm bivocational, folks. <laughs> all right. Well, let's start with uh, – some wisdom from Proverbs. So Proverbs twelve eighteen states, the words of reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 2 states, the tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of a fool gushes folly. Proverbs 15, 4 states, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue 
crushes the spirit. And then finally, James 3.8 states, But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. So, Aaron, it seems that our tongues hold great power and, like a sword, cut both ways. Why do you think there is so much content in the Bible on this topic? Because <laughs> we talk too much. <laughs> we never shut up. <laughs> Amen. Uh, first, I want to say something. You know, I'm the pastor, right? I'm the one that's introduced as Pastor Evangelist Aaron Thomas. But it's really good to see uh, you in your word, in, in your Bible, and quoting those scriptures, you know. That's the effect that we want to have on our listeners is that they go to that source. It's where I wrestle. <laughs> it's where we wrestle. But, you know, it's it, it's a fight uh, that we can win if we allow God in. Anyway, and you're right. The Bible does say a lot because uh, a scripture you didn't mention, Proverbs 18.21, says the tongue has the power of life and death. And I know you're going to comment on that. I, I, I know it's in there, right? And those who love it will eat its fruit. The fact of the matter is uh, this holds true whether we're speaking a spiritual, physical, or emotional life or death. We talk a lot, right? I know that's why I was called to be a pastor. God knew I liked the sound of my own voice. And a no. salesman. Yeah. <laughs> no, but he knew it also was the way that I would hear him, right? And, and um, he's blessed me. And I want to say in David S. form, the word tongue is often a reference to the spoken word, right? When we're referring to the tongue, we're referring to the spoken word. This special kind of uh, figure of speech that we're doing is called a metanome, right? Dave, I did that oh, because man, of you. Oh, man, that is awesome. Yeah, that, metanome. That, that's Greek. Uh, thank you very much. In which one word stands for another, closely related. So when we're saying tongue, we're talking about word. What our tongue produces, well, you got to understand, when we speak, our tongue has eternal implications. And it reveals what is in our hearts, you know. Uh, Jesus said that uh, the good man brings good things out of what's stored up in him, right? Mm -hmm. And the evil man, evil things from what's stored up in him, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Mm -hmm. right? You think about that. So when you speak, we get to hear what's truly in your heart. And you know the best time that happens is when people get angry. Yep. That's why it says the tongue is evil. Who can tame it? God's saying no man can tame his tongue on his own, right? Uh, words create actions, good and bad. A judge or a jury, by simply saying a word, can cause a person to be killed or live. A doctor can say, let's have a life-saving surgery, right? Mm -hmm. The power of the spoken word is kind of incredible and crazy. Thinking back to my uh, sales training and what we would do is you observe people in what we call their backup behavior. And it's like, so when they're stressed, when they, you know, what, what, how do they react? And it really does reveal their true colors. Oh, yeah. You know, because poker players get the pot raked, you know, then you see their true colors. <laughs> but uh, that, that is so true that we reveal our true colors. Uh, Absolutely. Because, you know, something else we had charm school a while ago. You know, what would a romance be without emotional words? What would, you know, encouragement and discouragement? come from words you know mm -hmm. you have to remember uh, with our tongues we get to praise the lord or we get to curse him mm -hmm. right and we do that man uh, god spoke everything in existence and we are created in his image and likeness that tongue is very powerful it, it is and so in the ten commandments this third commandment is the one modern culture is most adept at breaking for hardly anyone blinks when the name of jesus is used as an expletive in movies 
on television or in everyday conversation. The trivial use of his name has become ubiquitous. Oh, I love that word. Oh, there he goes, Thus, we hardly remember that each misuse of the Lord's name makes a person liable to the wrath of God. This commandment is not always well understood in the church. Many Christians, for example, tend to think the name of God is taken in vain only when it's used in conjunction with four-letter words. Yet, while the third commandment certainly includes such cursing within the scope of speech that is banned, there are other ways that the Lord's name can be taken in vain. One way the name of God can be treated profanely is through cursing others. So James 3, 1 through 12, is clear that to mistreat human beings is ultimately to mistreat the Lord himself because all people are made in God's image. I don't think people think about that at all. You know, to abuse and disrespect the part of creation that most reflects the Lord is to abuse and disrespect the creator who made us to reflect his glory. So, Aaron, how can we be contrarians on this in today's society? (laughs) Okay. Well, I'm going to elaborate on the carrying of the Lord's name in vain. But first, ladies and gentlemen, you knew... He couldn't stop himself. Him and his words. You know, he is a wordsmith and uh, contrarians for some of you who, like me, had to look that up. Someone who opposes, rejects popular opinion or behavior. I kind of had the gist of it, but, you know, you are definitely broadened my vocabulary and I appreciate that. Right. So let me digress. Let me get back into our subject. Yeah. We must remember that our mouths and our words are vehicles for sharing the gospel or sharing ourselves and worldly philosophies, ideologies, right? Romans ten fourteen says, therefore we command, uh, we're commanded to uh, control our tongue to keep our lips from evil and from speaking lies. Our speech should always honor God, but we're caught up. You know, it's like we said in the spiritual leadership, we can, we can have a relationship with God, but still not be leading. Right, not doing what we're supposed to do and teaching. And here we we have God in our heart, but uh, we also have evil in our heart, and we speak more the evil. Right? My wife said something uh, the other day. She spoke something out the other day that we spend more time complaining than counting our blessings. That's a fact. And that if we opened our mouth to count our blessings, we never have time to complain because our blessings far outweigh. Are, are, are the things that we're complaining about. Woman. That's why she's my wife, Dave. Yeah. Why is this thing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, when now you were talking about carrying the Lord's name in vain when we use unwholesome speech or coarse jesting, uh, neg- coarse jesting, ladies and gentlemen, leading your friends into conversations that are inappropriate, full of profanity, sexual innuendo. That's what that is. I like to explain that because I had to figure that out. Negative behavior, you know, our tongues participate in something ungodly or we know would bring reproach on the Lord's name. As we say we are Christians, uh, we we take his name in vain. We go and do something that we know is ungodly, and we're called a Christian, a, a, a disciple of Jesus Christ. That's also carrying the Lord's name in vain. And then we get there, and we use speech and conversation that doesn't glorify God, as you were sharing right there. And, man, that's just a big commandment, and I had to really— uh, at one time in, in my walk is get into what that meant because I walk out and I'm Pastor Evangelist Aaron Thomas, a teacher of the word of God, of Jesus Christ. So how do I carry myself when I'm in public? Is it in vain of who Christ is? There is only one, you know, 
as you were going through this and, and, and so we're going through this with you, our listeners, the Bible says we can't control our tongue. So then how can it be controlled? Well, there's only one can control a tongue, and that's God's spirit living in you, right? God's spirit has had me pull back from cussing somebody out, <laughs> right, from expressing myself that he convicts uh, uh, me uh, not to s- sin with my lips, and that conviction drives me to repent and pray uh, for a more uh, for a greater infilling of the spirit so that I can avoid further sin with my mouth because uh, words when spoken are like a rock when it's thrown. Right. <laughs> they are. You they can't are. take them back. Right. And sometimes I have literally saw words coming out of my mouth and I go, no. <laughs> and I'll be like, why am I saying this? Right. To my wife, to my kids. To people I'm supposed to be discipling who get me so frustrated. And I'm going, God, this shouldn't be so, right? And then it's saying it's supposed to take every thought captive. Every right? thought, yeah. Well, it's that's hard. what this wrestling's about. That's what That'd we're talking exactly about. Right. Because in James said one in one word we're blessing God, in the other we're cursing man who's made created in God's image. Right? We can we can and follow the instructions in Colossians four, six which says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Uh, yeah, I'm working on that seasoning with salt and that grace. Woo, being gracious to people. Uh, that's easy to do when they're kind to you. But the evidence of what's in your heart, if God is in your heart, is when they're not, mm-hmm. when they're persecuting you, when they're speaking for you when their narrative goes against yours. I'm sorry. I was getting ready to go down a rabbit trail. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I was watching the World Series, and uh, unfortunately, those of us living here in Houston are a little disappointed with that outcome. But we've seen several batters called out on strikes by the umpire. And they ripped their helmet off, and they turned to the umpire, shouting foul language with, you can actually see the camera. You know, they've got the lights behind them. The spit is spraying, and the entire world is reading their lips. Now, let's talk about self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> Love the athlete, but is this what he wants his kids asking him about in the off season when he's trying to take his family to church? You know, he's captured on television right there, and it's, it's quite clear, you know, what they're saying. <laughs> right. uh, at least in my own case, being proven justly wrong out loud or publicly is one of the most common scenes where I immediately want to swear, often at myself. Right. Because I've just been caught, you know, doing something wrong or I was just wrong, you know, maybe just even about some fact. But when I'm publicly called out on it, I don't like that because I'm feeling shamed and you immediately want to swear. Or when you're afraid, you know, that's also – so spraying with out-of-control emotional outbursts is an image-destroying certainty. You know the old saying, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. So, Aaron, how did Jesus model self-control for us as an example? Man, you couldn't have picked a better example. You know, whether people believe in Jesus or not, they've heard this story. They know the story of him being nailed to the cross. You know, we all do. And so we, we see it. Christmas is coming. You've seen some Christian movie. You've seen Passion of the Christ. You hear Christians talking about it all the time. You couldn't have picked a better example of someone who exercised control over his tongue. Man, Jesus is the greatest example. I mean, during the worst 
and best day of his life, that's the day on the, on the cross. In Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He stood before Herod in Luke 23. He was mocked, questioned, treated with contempt, but he did not speak out. He was questioned by Pilate, and he gave no answer. Jesus is that example of controlling his tongue, right? And I'm going to show you the best part of that. Going through all that, nailed to the cross, with people yelling and mocking and taunting him. You know what one of the last thing he said? He said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He spoke love. You know, I just read a scripture that told us um, to be gracious and season our words with salt that we might give an answer. What greater example is that? Like this, he showed in his time of controversy, that time when he was being persecuted, falsely judged, beaten, and killed. Crying out, complaining, using foul language would not accomplish anything. You know, there's a scripture that says, I've never seen the anger of man produce the righteousness of God, right? Mm -hmm. But it sure does produce a whole new language I call speaking in tongues that God, did, that God did not intend for. I was thought, and I think we have enough time. I want to read a scripture um, from Ephesians. Um, it's a few verses. I'm quick. Mm -hmm. It says, uh, so I tell you this and insist uh, on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their speaking, Gentile being as common folk. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, stop being who you were, be who you're becoming, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Here it is. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, quit lying, speak truthfully, uh, to people, to your neighbors. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So to sum all that up, we're to use our tongue in the right way. Uh, we have to follow the Holy Spirit to do that, right? It's only through God. And what I mean is like this. The Bible even talks about rebuking and correcting people in righteousness. It's not all about, oh, speak goody, goody. No, nah, sometimes uh, a righteous rebuke, the Bible says, is better than a kiss from an enemy, right? Mm -hmm. Because I love you. I'm going to tell you what's right. I'm going to tell you how to get right. And God's going to show you how to stay right, right? And that's what, that's what example Jesus was, like, in the midst of his enemies and even those that supposedly loved him. He refrained from speaking if it wasn't going to be edifying, if it wasn't going to build somebody up. Correction can build somebody up in the right way. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think that was a great scripture yeah. and example that you chose. Well, certainly. He was fully human and he was fully divine. Come on. So he had to use that divine side to control that tongue. That's for sure. And we need, we need his help. Now, I don't know what it is that makes people think. And, and and Rick, our producer here, he he had a little military background, I think. But uh, swearing in the military is mandatory. People just think, you know, this is just how it works. You know, I grew up an Air Force brat and have been around many military friends throughout my whole life. 
sweet-natured and innocent country boys come home with filth in their mouths that their family may not even have known existed. You know, maybe it's because they know they might have to kill someone in that line of work. And they've heard of this scripture that you talked about earlier, Proverbs eighteen twenty one. The tongue has the power of life and Come death, on, man. That's and right. those who love it will eat its fruit. Perhaps it's easier to kill a person, another human, once you have destroyed their image-bearing qualities. And I, I was thinking about that, and that was kind of a real mind-blowing thought, you know. But movies, music, books have all degraded our language, and in the process, our respect for one another as God's children. And that is the biggest sin involved. Aaron, I believe that you have a physical presence, you know, that I can observe, and a background that understands how to use intimidation <laughs> as a tactic to get people to behave the way you want them to. So Who, me? jump in here. <laughs> yeah, okay, man. Like, look, I get it. You know, being on the streets, being little boys in the hood, being hard, doing what I did. Uh, yeah, we use profanity all the time as a tool of intimidation. I always say like this now that I've come to my senses, I believe that profanity is a weak mind trying to express itself authoritatively and intelligently with control. It's not. It is exactly the opposite. You know, the Bible says that we're going to give an account for every idle word. I was thinking about the example you gave about the baseball player. You know, mm -hmm. he gets this opportunity pays $40 million to, to play a sport and because he's one of the greatest at it. And he's an example and all these eyes are on him. And then he talks like that. And so it tells kids, it tells fans, you can talk like this too, that it's okay, but it's not acceptable. The Bible says that, as I said, we'll give an, uh, an account for every idle word. I tell you that everyone will give an account. It says, Jesus said this on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken, right? Every empty word or idle word, every careless word, a little more Greek, remo argos, meaning careless or inactive or unprofitable words, right? If what I'm saying doesn't need to be said and does it need to be said in the manner that I'm saying, is it profitable? Is it active? Does it have care, right? We're admonished to make the best use of our – God tells us to make the best use of our words that, that are uh, – the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So what's your heart full of? Like really examine yourself and go, why do I say the things that I say? Why do I even believe the things that I believe? Have I looked into them, right? And then when I speak, do I speak from a place of knowledge, understanding, or just foolishness, worldliness, commonality as the word I use was Gentile, right? I'm not any longer. And God gives me the power through the Holy Spirit to bridle my tongue. Yeah, that part kind of convicts me on gossip. You know, it's not swearing, but it, those are empty words. That's not helping anybody. It's not building anybody up. So it takes a great deal of self-control to exercise the eight other fruits of the Spirit, which we will be talking about more for the remainder of the year. But we all faced in temptation you know, to sin in our lives. People often lack the self-restraint and self-control to stop when they should. Many of us find ourselves tempted to overeat, to overdrink, to overspend, to overindulge, especially with the holidays coming up and the shorter, darker days of winter. So there are two proverbs that explain the difference of not having self-control versus the value of having it. In Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight, we are told, like a city whose walls are broken down <laughs> is a man who lacks self-control. And we talked about that last week. But in Proverbs 16.32, we learn it is better to be patient 
than powerful. It is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. So, Aaron, do you want to close us out with a quick prayer? Hey, Lord, uh, help us to uh, walk according to your word and allow your words to fill our heart that we may not offend. Bless our listeners and bring us back, if you should tarry, that we may illuminate some things through the Bible. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. AM 1070, The Answer, Wrestling with the Inner Man. Thanks for listening to Wrestling with the Inner Man with David Savage and Pastor Aaron Thomas. We believe the winners in this ring courageously follow God's word, love and protect God's woman, excel at God's work, betters God's world and his children. For more information, reach out to David and Pastor Aaron at wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. That's wrestlingwiththeinnerman at gmail.com. Tune in next time as Wrestling with the Inner Man tackles more tough topics to train up a generation of better men.